Hey there, Max. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Well, I guess that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Okay, so, um, Max, I know you just spent a weekend, uh, actually with Sean, who couldn't, couldn't spend time with, with us today because he has Skull, um, and, uh, but, you know, it's, it's quickly becoming winterized for, for us in the, the, on the East Coast, you, I think, especially as your days grow shorter and, and shorter, um, but, I, I don't know about you, but I think I got a little bit of time in in the fall to get outside and, and actually get out in the trees and, and some mountains, too. I think you did that a little bit earlier uh, in the in the fall, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. T- today was the first, I would say, day that felt like winter, which is alarmingly early, I think. But it was it felt cold with a hat and jacket on. And there was some there were some flurries in the sky. I'm not going to say the S word, but they were there. Um but you're right. Before that, I was able to get out a little bit. Um, I did a little hiking around Boston a couple times, and I also mm-hmm. went up to Maine. Yes. Um, a few times. Yeah. And uh, did you did you go up to the the Bar Harbor area when you were in Maine this this uh, this year? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And Bahaba. Yeah, <laughs> I assume. <clears throat> and that is known for being, it's uh, adjacent or abuts uh, Acadia National Park, correct? Uh, yes, it does. It does, yeah. So I, I think, so you did that. I recently went to Shenandoah in about a month, Shenandoah National Park, and about a month before I also went to Joshua Tree. And really in the last couple years, it has become a thing I've started to explore, but I think something that you've always been accustomed to and have done, I think is, is a family is, is this idea of taking trips to national parks. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to a, a handful, not as many as I'd like, but um, definitely since I was little, that was, that was sort of a thing for us. Yeah. And in some ways, and I hope to get into this is, is that, we we do take for granted this national park system and and we'll get into why and and who is taking notice in a lot of ways um but in some ways i think it's the quintessential american trip because it's exploring our frontier which for better for worse is has always been this this american ideal or at least the americans of power which is to explore the frontier look at our beautiful lands that we took from people but anyways it's it it, we have preserved these great spaces and you're able to go camp in them not that i have uh haven't taken that bold step yet but i I think even you know you continue to explore that and are going on a camping trip pretty soon uh i am well not quite camping Mm -hmm. um it was going to be camping but uh that's right in a about a month Mm -hmm. uh I'm going to Olympic National Park in Washington State. Yes, yeah, and I I believe I was looking at we had some some 
statistics. Statistics. Um, ah, yes. Got to get the stats out. Got to get the stats out. I believe that there are 418 national park units, and that includes battlefields and monuments and everything. Yeah, and, I was going to say that's national. Okay. Yeah. So that's not just specifically parks, but um, I. I there are just so many places to go and and i've been to quite a few in the last couple of years to the point where i bought a pass and for 80 bucks a year you can you can go with your car full of youths or, or older people or whoever you're going with and go into these parks and then you're just kind of free to move around and walk around in these great systems where things are truly preserved and i it's it's gotten me really i think excited as someone who wasn't introduced to that but at the same time it would seem from some articles we're reading today we aren't the only ones who have taken notice over the last couple years that hey we should go to national parks yeah and i think we'll get into the content of those articles but even before that i don't think we were the only ones to take notice yeah um they're getting crowded yeah they they are Um, I know. Which is the, the nice about Acadia. Acadia is so far from any yeah. major city. <laughs> well. Similar to Glacier National Park. I, I can't see those parks getting too crowded because they're not that easy to get to. Yeah. You know, I, and have you been to Glacier? I have. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine that that is tough to get to. But at the same time, I went from Denver a couple years ago to uh, Arches and Canyons. And from Denver, which is more or less the closest large city, it's a good five hours plus. I think it's, you know, maybe six hour drive. Um, but in the since 2013, I believe, uh, they have seen a, I think, a 55% increase in the number of visitors they're, they're getting every year. So, and to go along with, uh, you know, really the star of the show and what it got us thinking about this is in Utah, there's this idea of the mighty five, which is Zion, Bryce Canyon, Capitol Reef, Canyonlands, and Arches. Arches and Canyonlands are both in Moab, Utah. Um, and it's like a little town and it's just become inundated because between 2013 and 2018, they went from six, between those five parks, amongst those five parks, they went from 6.3 million visitors a year to 10.6 million. So that's a 63% increase. And the thing, I don't know if you noticed it in what we read. We're going off of Wall Street Journal and I think a Salt Lake City Tribune article, uh, which we'll share, is the thing that's not mentioned in there is is over that period of time, there has been a a shrinking of how many people are are kind of working at these national parks and and i'm sure some of the funding too uh so you've had this huge influx in part because of a called the mighty five by the year utah tourism board which is getting people to come to these parks and now you have the residents of moab that are like wait i can't live in moab anymore yes the marketing has definitely worked um but yeah i think i think you're right i don't know that they're growing their number of employees mm-hmm. um which are already extremely small yeah and i don't think their funding is growing either i would love i wish i i want to look up a stat on you know how much how many square miles each employee of yellowstone national park is theoretically responsible for yeah because if i recall yellowstone national park is approximately seven and a half times the size of the state of rhode island yes 
Um, um, I don't think they have that many employees. <laughs> no, and I think that there's there's something in there about uh, you know these national parks themselves, and I think you've gone to more than me and kind of grew up with it. But there's this idea is if you go in there, you leave it at least as good as it was when you arrived. But I think with this influx of people, I mean, certainly I, I try to do my best. I'm not camping and everything. But I don't know the rules of the road the same as someone who is being has that idea of going to national parks handed down. I mean, do you do you do you have concerns about the influx of tourists and how they may they may be approaching as tourists as opposed to people who are like, I'm here as a is a conservationist minded person who is really going to focus on I come into this park and I take away all my trash and everything. Yeah, it's a give and take. I mean, people are shitty. I guess that's the that's where our podcast usually gets to anyway. Um, Like people are shitty aside. I think it's just like inherently a good thing that the parks are becoming even more popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the funding funding cutting is no joke. I mean, if if it were up to certain people, I think they'd just get rid of the parks altogether and cut the forest down for paper and drill for oil. Yeah. Um, So more support is good but i I agree it needs to be targeted support i mean the parks make a very concerted effort to do the you know um take nothing but pictures leave nothing but footprints mantra Mm -hmm. and really i mean i don't think young people are gonna necessarily be shitty but you know adults have to lead by example and unfortunately there have been stories of you know it's not just leaving trash but there's you know people will uh leave graffiti on the the rock formations and yeah. arches. I mean, that's just, I, I don't know the type of person that does that. And, and yeah, like, I guess it's not good to have more of those people in the park, but again, it's, it's a tough argument because you want the support to be there. Cause we want these parks to be there forever. I mean, you want your children's children's children to be able to go, yeah. but you want them to be able to go and not just see graffiti at the same time. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, the, the best way to say, Hey, preserve these things that are endangered by our, uh, consumptive culture um, and, and the way we we pollute and, and use resources that aren't renewable um, is to go to those parks and to really think about these being threatened in in whatever way. And I would point to the the government shutdown last year, which lasted so long. Uh, I had a coworker, and also I read about this, who went to did some of the Utah parks, and I think went to Joshua Tree as well. Um, and you could still go into them because they're not there aren't like gates up it's not like a theme park it's very different but you had people who were going in and tearing down joshua trees which are some of the most incredible things you'll ever see because they are alien and it takes them so long to grow but a few feet high um and and really they are things that aren't very many of them and they are only there Additionally, uh, Moab is a really big place for like off-road driving and biking and stuff. And so people were going through the parks and leaving tracks and disrupting a lot of this land. And the reason it's preserved is not just, it's not just for, it's not meaningless. I mean, these are beautiful things. And if you start trampling on these arches or or whatever you're going to do, they will break. I mean, they've been eroded over time. I mean, that's how the the rock formations are. And you don't want to make it um, you don't want to make it any worse. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that people can be shitty, but there's no better way for us to preserve it than a lot of people to go 
see it. Um, now, the other thing about seeing it, and I think what maybe drives some of this tourism is, uh, I know I follow the National Park Service and also the U.S. Forest and Wildlife Service uh, Instagram accounts. And there are a lot of pictures that you see, and it's people lining up and taking pictures of that. Do you have a, a feel? Obviously, you were going to national parks when you, you had to get the film developed to whatever picture you took. Uh, do, you, do you feel like that that is something that drives it a lot, this idea that I'm going to go to this park so I can take this picture? I Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what type of person that's driving, but I could take a guess. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a generation that is stereotypically known for wanting to spend their money, what little they might have, mm-hmm. on experiences yeah. uh, rather than um, physical things. And so you're talking about a an Instagram-worthy, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, experience that also happens to be extremely affordable relative to really yeah. anything else. Um, like like you said, I mean, 80 bucks for, for a year for a group of people, really, um, if you're traveling with the same people. Um, is pretty cheap. So yeah, I know. No, I definitely do. I mean, you have you have influencers. Yeah. I, I don't like that term. Do I have to say that? Yeah, it's the it's the right term. That's but it's okay. Fine. You have, are we influencers? That's that's a topic for another day. Um, we're influencing somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have influencers. You know, taking taking pictures in front of something that that you know some other people might have known has been there forever. But then someone else. I I assume that's how that works. Is it's like oh, I want that picture i guess yeah you want to co- um, you want to collect it definitely something. drives traffic yeah yeah you want to collect the experience and i mean like i even said before i'd like to go to more national parks i, w- I would love to be able to say i've been to i i'd love to say i've been to all of them i don't know if that's even possible but you know i'd love to say i've been to some percentage of them i think that would be great yeah um but i'm not trying to like necessarily i don't know collect that but maybe i am i don't know yeah i mean i think most travel that we do even if it's just a new restaurant or or you know go into a new art exhibit it is kind of all travel all whatever it is all new experiences are to see something new and different and that hopefully takes your breath away and that's the cool thing about national parks is you know i could drive two hours and then i'm going along skyline drive and that's just unbelievable that you're up in these mountains and you can see you know see to the horizon just things that you don't see when you're in dc or you go to joshua tree or arches or canyon lands which are just alien landscapes um and not to be outdone you know you mentioned kind of like oh there wouldn't be a national park system people would just let whatever happen i also went to a lot of state parks and those are kind of overlooked and they're hiding in plain sight a lot of times near those um but i mean all of it is if that's the type of experience people are trying to collect, it is one that is very disconnected. I mean, you go you go out into uh, that part of Utah, I guess it's southeastern Utah, and you don't have phone service. And that's, you know, you're either with yourself and, and your thoughts to think about this, this landscape, or you're with some other people and you can share that. And as opposed to, I was just reading something about how problematic the at the louvre the mona lisa is because it disrupts all traffic there um if if arches is kind of the mona lisa at least you're in this national park and you're getting the full experience and you can't be calling and facetiming everybody while you're there so i think that there's something there's something nice about that now 
there's still disorder there because there are so very many people. I mean, even Rocky Mountain National Park over that same 2013-2018 timeline, its its attendance went up 53%. And my friends mm-hmm. in the Denver area who just kind of want to go and hang out on a weekend like they used to can't really do that anymore. But I, I'm I'm generally happy to that people are going out and, as you said, cheaply having these pretty cool mm-hmm. vacation opportunities. Now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's it's good that there's more people going, and then there's also problems with that. I mean, I've had experiences in, uh, you know, in parks where now all of a sudden the, the selfie stick is a thing, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's harder to get to, the, to see what you want to see because everyone's doing selfies and this and that. And then there's also a question of not just, it's preservation and safety. Um, it reminds me of, I know, um, like, it, it, it's not a national park in the U.S., but it, um... Machu Picchu there was like a um I mean they're considering I believe closing it because all the people stepping on it is causing it to basically fall apart yeah which is I mean I'm sure there's some uh national park in the U.S. that would um would have that similar problem where it's like the the traffic is not necessarily always a good thing Mm -hmm. um but by default we want more people Yeah. yeah Uh, I mean, I, I'd say that the any of the parks with those rock formations that have arches, which are a, a number in Utah and also I think in Arizona and the like, I mean, though you can't go walking on those, but people do anyways. Slightly different. Right. And then what are they going to start putting safety rails in? I, I mean, it, it's, it's hard. It, I, I think it really is difficult. And that goes into like, I think part of it is, is if you grow up understanding like these are things we're trying to preserve, stay on the paths you know consider that you want people for ages beyond you to be able to experience it it's really easy to to covet the thing you see in front of you but sometimes you have to be um you have to temper that and and be respectful and uh maybe that's not how you want to consume the new and hot thing as best you can you want to go take the picture where it looks like you're sitting on the edge of the world i get that but this is something which is you want your grandchildren to to maybe take that picture or take a picture next to it or whatever and and we have to be careful that that we can do that um now i i think it is in general a good thing it has been around for a hundred years we just it was like find your park was the big you were gonna say yeah i was just gonna say and another thing i i think i've noticed which is really neat um and i think it's a good thing like i I mentioned machu picchu there's also a lot of the traffic in the u.s's national parks i believe are foreign tourists um i know specifically yellowstone gets a lot of chinese visitors Mm -hmm. um which is which is i mean it's a good thing like i like you said you want to show off show off america Mm -hmm. um but it's also i mean i i'm curious if there's if there's something there i mean doesn't china have they have plenty to see over there over in China. They, they do. And they are working on a project right now, which is to in twenty twenty, China is gonna open their first national park, which Max, I think you wanted to pronounce the name of the first national park, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Let me find it in there. Yeah. It can't be that hard, right? No. Just China's opening the national park first ever. Uh, I don't see the name of the national it's park. The first word. Oh, Sanjing Yangwan. 
Yes. So did I get it right? So yeah, I mean, someone will email us if you got it wrong. Uh, but there are there is now an attempt by China, which has robustly grown its economy and polluted the air mercilessly for <laughs> for all this time. Uh, but now they want to adopt essentially. Uh, a, a national park type model they're going to have a national park administration and they want to start just creating national parks because I- i've seen pictures of what china looks like in not cities and it's pretty amazing uh, oh, yeah. and they i think want to import that idea of the national park system um which is cool i could see a, a, a you know a day where i want to go to china not just to see their cities and what they've built but what was already there uh and i think that's really cool now, the particularly uh, fascinating thing is the United States uh, National Park Service uh, just celebrated in 2016 their centennial. <laughs> you had the big find your park uh, kind of uh, promotion, but they put that together. Uh, China is trying to uh, replicate that over the next 10 years by, 20, by 2030. Uh, they want to have a complete national park system by 2030, and it's a big push. And if there's anywhere that could do that in 10 years, what we did in 100 years, maybe it's China. But can you imagine being, you know, 40 years old and going, well, I can just go do a national park road trip in China? I mean, that sounds amazing. Um, I've definitely been awed by some of their um, geography and visuals. Um, but, yeah, that's a, it's aggressive. Yeah. I'm curious how they'll choose to market it. And if they will maybe monetize it differently than the U.S. has. You know, I want to say, like, oh, well, they learn from our mistakes. But, again, I'm not sure if it was a – is it a mistake that we had marketing campaigns that were too successful? I, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole – during, I think, the Great Depression, and you – I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff I just went to Skyline Drive was built by the – by new deal programs like the wpa um and and other groups like that that gave jobs and they would build roads their national parks and everything just to get work done and and i think that there's a legacy of that additionally we have the infrastructure in place which is yeah they're difficult to get to but a lot of them are kind of adjacent to really big highways through the middle of what would otherwise be nowhere so there's an infrastructure to get there china is very very large so i'll be curious how they expect people to get there Uh, because they're going to want people in the parks and to be able to show hey everyone is here you should come too i think that would be a huge draw for me as someone who doesn't have china at the top of my list but maybe go to shanghai and then also go to this national park system so i'll be very curious Mm -hmm. not just that they can say okay this land is being preserved we've sent people out there to to work on conserving i mean goodness knows they they really promote how they've conserved and saved pandas among other things i mean that's a huge export of theirs uh, yeah. an important export of theirs uh but how do they not only conserve but how do they get people to go view it i i think it's always the logistics which is the important step yeah maybe they'll just build like a bullet train that goes to all of them or or something like that well they they could actually do that as opposed to us where we go well you know it would mess up my backyard in new jersey if we had a faster train because then <laughs> i could hear it at 7 30 when i'm having dinner or whatever you know the yeah. the feedback is no that wouldn't be acceptable no. but uh, um yeah yeah i think i mean 
I'm definitely going to start going to national, more national parks. Uh, I'm really in, and state parks. Uh, I might have a, you know, a cross country drive in the coming months. And I'm really thinking about, I have this pass that I got for a whole year. So I might as well get my money's worth. Um, and I think it would be great to, in every state, just stop in a park. Cause you can basically do that. And you know, if you're driving through Kansas and there's not much to see otherwise, why not stop in a national park? So. Yeah. No, that's an awesome idea. I'm sure we'll have some follow-ups between um, my trip west and your trip also west. Right. Yeah. 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 Those are flyover parks, though. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fly over those. Parks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, you know, if you have any good, good park takes, um, any that that are hiding in plain sight, or that you should really uh, make an effort to go see, like I don't know, Denali, getting to Alaska, um, let us know. Let us know. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. I think Max, that brings us to an important part of our program, does it not? Uh, I don't. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's that part where you uh, apologize for something. Oh, Pierce uh, is sorry. What are what are you going to apologize to our our fan base for today? Well, um, you know, we're recording today, and the Disney Plus has just come out, and the streaming wars continue, and everyone is very excited. Uh, apparently Han maybe didn't shoot first again. There's some madness with that. You can go watch your Star Wars stuff, whatever. Um, but the thing that I'm apologizing for is a couple weeks ago, I shared with you and Sean a list and it was a bunch of Disney movies, specifically the Disney channel movies. Now I grew up in a time when these Disney channel show, Disney channel movies came out. I was very much of the age that that's what I was watching and it it really it it was when I could start to make memories um and so I'm apologizing this week really really to my family because I realized I was going through that list that I was able to recall watching most of those movies and knowing little tidbits of them or you know punchlines catchphrases whatever and so I'm apologizing to my family because that means that I watched a lot of them and we only had one TV. So that meant, <laughs> that meant way too many nights were ruined with things like Brink or Xenon or Smart House or I really shouldn't go any further because I'm just going to embarrass myself. But I mean, that was a cultural force and sometimes it's bad. Like when you went with your parents probably to go see the Pokemon movie. It's just not good and somehow like the the confines of a movie once is fine but every night on the tv after dinner is is probably not good because that's time you could spend at a national park for instance Me, yeah i don't know i gotta defend my girl xenon a little bit but i mean it's taken. <laughs> i mean it seems you have good memories of it but it doesn't mean that it was quality time no, I watched it last week. No. <laughs> well, you can watch it yeah. now. You can watch it now. And not quality time for everyone in the household. That's that's fair. Yeah. That is that yeah. is fair. <laughs> um but so today is uh the the twelfth of November and moving into I, I think big ideas from, from pop culture. It didn't occur to me until I started watching it, but yesterday was it was Veterans Day or Armistice Day, depending where you're from. I have read a little bit over the last year plus uh, about um, World War One, really terrible, uh, really 
horrifying and just harrowing to to read about and everything uh but i watched a movie yesterday and it is currently on hbo it is by uh mr hobbit man peter jackson himself um it's called they shall not grow old and he worked on that movie it is a documentary about world war one I. I think i said world war one sorry if i didn't but i meant world war one uh the armistice is what you're celebrating uh and he worked with the bbc and the imperial war museum uh, and took footage of British soldiers uh, during World War One, and colorized it. And you might go, oh, I bet that looks terrible. It's one of the most incredible, moving movies you can watch. It's a documentary. It has all just interviews from people who served. And uh, it just, you get a sense of this conflict and this idea, <laughs> the thing that they never really go over, and I think puts forth the idea of these tremendous these great wars um the great war is that they had no idea what they were fighting for but they were really excited to go and then they got there and it was just anything that they could do to to stay alive among the muck and the the death everywhere and the rats and the gangrene and everything else but you have this movie and it did leave me um pretty cheery because there are these people and they went and they 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 volunteered and they were there and they fought and um you know a lot of them made tremendous friendships and obviously they made tremendous sacrifices but they they kept going and just the what went into making the movie too makes it all the more incredible which is to take footage which is not that great in some respects and make it into a a movie with color and and moves and flows and and just has a great uh meter to it all and so i highly recommend it if you have an hbo account or you know go rent it it's probably worth it so uh definitely check out uh they shall not grow old on your streaming service of choice will do (laughs) all right i think that brings us to the end of the show the end of the show um, um, check us out on Facebook or Twitter. Yes. Um, on our website and anywhere you get podcasts. Yes, we're on there. Um, and uh, you know, as as always, we'll be back again next week to talk about something else and to fill your time. But until then, uh, I'm Pierce and I'm Max. Thank you. Time we had is not gone